0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Legacy,
1: legacy, 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 legacy. This is the Aztec Legacy Podcast with your host, Robert Ortiz, where we learn from the journey and the legacy of those past, present, and future Aztecs. today. We have a special guest, former Aztec defensive back, a guy that I looked up to while I was at San Diego State. He's on top of the leaderboard for forced fumbles at San Diego State. He played 13 seasons in the NFL. And uh, like I said, he was an inspiration to me because I would see him working super duper hard um, at San Diego State in the offseason. He would train with us and and uh, it was cool to be able to just train alongside a guy that was playing in the NFL at the time. And then also, he has a similar story to myself, walked on at San Diego State and uh, was a free agent going into the NFL. So uh, a lot of similarities. With no further ado, Robert Griffith, what's up, baby?
0: Hey, man, thanks for having me, Rob. Of course. appreciate it, man. It's been a been a long long friendship man you know i know we haven't seen each other in a while but uh you know we we all put that grind in together when we were back in the day so
1: exactly uh, and
0: and that's good to catch up with you man
1: exactly and that's kind of what this is about this is about uh the journey the legacy the journey that it took for you to get to where you are today um and you know Some people, for some people, it might be hard to go back um, and think about it, but I'm gonna try to challenge you right now to go back to your days right here in San Diego, Mount Miguel, um, because I feel like that's where it starts. That's where it kind of started. Some for some people, even earlier than that, but I want to know how you even got to San Diego State, and um, you know, and just leading up to it.
0: Ooh, boy! You going back now? Yeah, um, you got
1: to though well, <laughs> because it's the setup. It's the foundation.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know I'm from San Diego. Football was our sport, so we played football on the street, and it was streets against streets, just like any probably neighborhood. And um, if I can go all the way back there, and uh, I uh, two brothers, they both played high school football. Uh, my brother Keith played against Marcus Allen. Uh, he went to Sweetwater High, and uh, he was my inspiration. Um, he uh, he was the hardest hit. And he was the best football player, hands down, in our house. <laughs> and um, just watching him grow up, uh, I was one of those guys. I watched a lot of football on TV, and so I was the kid that grew up watching the Super Bowl every year. When they had the Super Bowl on, they would show all the old Super Bowls: Super Bowl one, two, three, four, and I was that little kid. Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, watching every Super Bowl from 5.30 to whenever the game came on. And uh, uh, so anyway, I grew up in San Diego, had a love for the game, uh, but I was super undersized. Um, I went to Mount McGill High School, um, and uh, when I graduated from high school, I was 5'7", 152 pounds, man, like 154, 153, somewhere in there. 5'7", you said? uh, I was 57 man. And you I got you got up to
1: you got up to from what I see you be, became 511. So after high school you grew that much?
0: Yeah, I was a true late bloomer. So if I can go back even further, I skipped the grade. Essentially, my mom's a teacher. Uh, we moved from Washington DC, we moved to San Diego when I was 6. I went from essentially preschool to first grade so i skipped kindergarten so i essentially skipped a grade when i came out to california got it and so i was a, a really young guy for my class and i should have been the class behind me so anyway when i was 17 i was still underdeveloped um didn't get any scholarship offers uh oh by the way i was first team all conference in san diego mm-hmm. cif all conference i want to make sure i was a good player i was just small yeah and um Um, So I didn't get any scholarship offers. I got a couple of D2 schools, like places I didn't even know, like Ithaca, New York, Cal Lutheran, uh, Sonoma State, and stuff like that. And so I decided that uh, San Diego State had my degree, and I wanted to stay at home. And at the time, San Diego State, we had a big movement where we had a lot of big, highly coveted players like Patrick Rowe. and. Tommy Booker and a lot of guys that w- could have went anywhere in the country stayed home and stayed at San Diego State. So we had a big movement where guys were playing here at San Diego State from home. And uh, so when I looked around, I saw that a lot of guys had gotten scholarships to SBSU that I had played against. And so I knew I had the confidence just, I mean, just from that to walk on. So I walked on at school. Uh, so oh, it's crazy how I, get, how I got in. So I walked on in school, didn't have any cash, didn't have any money. My parents were divorced. Um, I had a job that I got at UPS for Christmas break, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. I'm telling this story because my buddy just retired from UPS. He was there for 30 years.
1: Who you, so met, who you up, met back then? No you met him back then?
0: Yeah, no, he's my good friend. I've known him since we were kids. But he went to work for UPS six months before... Um, and said, Hey man, they're hiring for Christmas. So I went down there, worked there for Christmas break. Um, I was hustling odd jobs. Um, you name it, man. So I got a job at Mesa distributing, Mm -hmm. delivering beer in the morning before school, just to, you know, pay for school, then go to class, then go to practice. Right. Um, and if I can even go back, I mean, this is before all the new gym and the new all the new stuff you guys got over there, but yeah when uh when I walked onto the team, <laughs> Rob, I didn't even have a number man. I had locker one seventeen hey, I never forget this shit drove this was shit the, drove me my whole life. I was the I same had way. locker I was one oh nine number one, yeah, I was one seventeen they had a hundred guys I don't know if you remember but back then you could have a whole bunch of scholarships and uh, um, guys just trying out for the 117 and uh, I thought that I was going to get number 13 um, and it ended up going it was uh, a senior kicker so I ended up they gave me it was the only number I could have at the time that was a secondary number so I took 34 I didn't I didn't ask for it I took it it was the only thing they, they had. Yeah. So I got number 34, and um, I went out there and uh, tried my best. No scholarship. My first semester, second semester, um, and uh, I'm talking about working at this, this delivery um, construction during the summer, and uh, I come back my third semester still not on scholarship, and I break my arm. Broke my forearm. Wow. A couple of weeks before our
1: first game. Yeah, man. It crushed me. Now, uh, and, uh, uh, real quick, so, where where were you yeah. when that happened? Where where were you on the depth chart as far as potential playing that, that year?
0: So I was backing up the starter. Uh huh. He was a 6'2, 215 pound guy. He was a senior. Um, and I was backing him up at Rover. It was our, you know, we 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 call it a. I was a dime back, but all it was was a fifth defensive back slash wheel linebacker. That's all it was. It was a hybrid, right? Gotcha. And uh, I was playing behind him, and uh, I I knew I wasn't going to start. He was a senior. I was his backup, and uh, uh, so I figured I, you know, I was in good chances to get a scholarship. where I broke my arm. And I couldn't even work, um, and uh, there was no money. In. <clears throat> and it was a real trying time because it was uh, football season. So literally, I didn't play two years removed from high school and no scholarship. And so uh, my mom stepped up. You know, I don't know how she got her – well, I know how she got it the money now. She sold some jewelry um, put her back against the wall and told me to stick it out for another semester. And wow. so I did. That's love, right? There. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, third semester went through school. I wore a brace, uh, for spring ball the next year. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, Rob, I was seriously just angry. So, um, I went out there, um, played some really good football. And Al gave me the scholarship my fourth semester, I changed my life. Um, I was able to become a regular student, um, got rid of the job, became a better student, um, started enjoying college life, um, started on my um, engineering degree. And uh, that year I became team captain and um, started a few games. And uh, I think I started at the end. Yeah, started a few games. Uh, played on special teams, uh, come back from my redshirt junior year, and I ended up starting. And uh, me, Chris Johnson, and Daryl Lewis, man, we, uh, Gary Taylor and Damon Pierre, we end up being a really good secondary for those couple years. And um, so we'll fast forward to my senior year. Uh, I believe I made, yeah, I made second team all-conference. A lot of the NFL teams that you know, I thought that I had a lot of interest didn't have any interest in me because
1: we're going to I want to get there but first I want to go back yeah so so for two years you didn't play right and we had all we had just we had just uh you had just told us that you were undersized you were underdeveloped do you think those two years not playing um is actually what you kind of needed so that when you when it was time to go your body was ready to go
0: uh, yeah, I'll even back up. So those two years I missed. So I missed two years coming out of high school yes. to play because I, I redshirted my first year, and then I broke my arm my second year. So I came into San Diego State at 5'7", 157, almost 160 pounds maybe. Yeah. And my redshirt year in that second year, I went from 5'7 to 5'11", 190 pounds. So it was when I was 19 and 20 is when I really, um, being a late bloomer is when I really stood out yeah. uh, and you know, I, three inches and 30 pounds, man, in two years was really where I, you know, uh, I grew up at college and, um, and so now from college until I got into the NFL was another mature, ma- maturity process, but it was really just strictly uh, getting bigger and you know, uh, filling out as a 22, 23, 24-year-old guy, you know. but uh, So, the the story on how I made it to the NFL, a lot of people don't know. Um, it's state-based. Uh, got a lot of um, – I know why I'm here. You know, I know I had the career I had. And um, I just believed and just kept working. And keep, you know, a lot of people that saw me working out every day at 1.30 on the track or in the gym. Uh, they just saw me probably just working. I don't know, but um, I just made a promise that I was going to always, um, uh, I knew why I was, I knew why I was in the NFL and I knew what I had prayed for. And I knew the things that had happened for me to get there was out of my control <laughs> uh-huh. for lack of a better word. So um, I'll give you the reason why I'm saying all this. And so, Okay, no workouts. I'm a senior. I signed with Rocky Arsenal. This is a true quick story. I signed with Marshall Fox, agent at the time. Um, he also had Patrick Rowe, Rocky Arsenal. I think he has, he has Zeke now, uh, one of the running backs now for Dallas. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, rookie free agent, you know, uh, I don't want to talk bad about Rocky, but he had made some promises to me that I was going to the Giants Uh, as an undrafted guy. Um, And this is literally three weeks before the draft. Griff, just stay in shape. You know, you're going somewhere. Um, The Giants are really on you. They're calling me every day, blah, blah, blah. So um, something in me told me to call the Giants. So I called the Giants. And this is three weeks before the uh, uh, 1993 draft. Right, my last season at San Diego State was ninety-two. Yeah, and I called up. I called up the Giants. Guy uh, answers the phone, and uh, you can hear he's in a big war room with a lot of guys. And I and I scream to him. I say, uh, "Hey, uh, this is Robert Griffith, San Diego State safety. Uh, just wondering if you have me on your board anywhere." Um, uh, my agent's telling me, you know, that you guys have some interest. And I can I can hear him just like it was yesterday, muzzling the phone, screaming into a room of a bunch of guys, and he's saying, "Hey, uh, anybody got Rob? He called me Robin Griffin. <laughs> anybody got Robin Griffin on the on your from San Jose State?" And I'm screaming through the phone, "Robert Griffin, San Diego State, right?" Yeah. And uh, he said, "What'd you say? What'd you say, son?" He said, I said, "Robert Griffin." Said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, San Diego State. So he screams it back and then he comes back and he says, sorry, son. um, We don't have you on our board, but we think you're a hell of a player. You know, um, some things don't work out. You know, we have your number. This this is your number. We'll call you. Da da da." So I fired Rocky as soon as I got off the phone with him. Right. So um, I'm at my sister's office back when we had faxes and I faxed him a letter that said, you're no longer representing me. Um, you know, and uh, and thinking to myself, like, I'm putting in all this work and I got a guy lying to me. So I call my AAU basketball coach. This is a true story, Rob.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Bill McCullough. He's in San Diego. He's like the VP of human resources. Bill McCullough. I don't, uh, shout him out if you can. My boy. He's just, my AAU basketball did. coach. You just, you just did. Yeah. AAU basketball coach, Bill McCullough. I love you, you know that. Um, he's a great man, still in San Diego, very professional executive for uh Paul Com. Um, anyway, I call Bill up and I say, Hey Bill, um lightweight client to him, Hey man, this guy he's lied to me, man. I you know, I need your help. I need an agent. You know, I'm three weeks from the trap. I don't have any I don't have anybody speaking up for me. And uh, you know. what what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? And he so he dipped into his resources, he called another guy that he knows, he's friends with uh, David Morway and uh, David Morway is an agent, I believe he still is out of Utah and um, David made some calls and they connected me to Tom Bass I'm giving you some real names, so Tom Bass he just passed away a couple years ago if not last year um, was a former defensive coordinator, uh, personnel, um, uh, an executive for you know the Chargers back in the day, and yeah. so he recognized me from college. He was working with the Sacramento Gold Miners, a Canadian football team. I'm going all the way back. That was I don't know if you know this, but the Canadian League had five American teams from 1992 to 1999 in the Canadian Football League, if you don't remember.
1: Nope, I did not know that. So I, at the time,
0: yeah, do your history, man. Um, so Tom Bass said, "We, I remember Griff. We'd love to have him come up to Sacramento. So within a few days after that, I'm up in Sacramento. i me giving the full story, Rob. Bring in it. Sacramento. Bring it. We want to know the whole journey. Learning. Yeah, man, learning Canadian football rules—you know, playing on this big field and doing all of the stuff that's going on, uh, trying to get on the field. And my salary at the time—I'm going back—was uh, thirty-seven thousand five to play Canadian football in 1993. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I had an intern at Teledyne Ryan down at the airport. Uh, for 44 grand after I retired. So I would have been playing, making more money being an engineer than playing football at the time. Yeah. And um, so I go up to Sacramento. A friend of mine, now businessman, had just taken a job, a really good friend of mine, in Sacramento at Coca-Cola. He says, Griff, I got a couch for you. Just come up here, man. Don't worry about getting an apartment. So I go up to Sacramento and... I'm in a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment with Zach and now his wife, Annie. We're all Aztecs. Um, Annie ran cross-country in Sacramento and sleeping on their couch, getting up, going to practice, working out, stopped to play football on Saturday. Wow. So I'm up there a month. Uh, It's Saturday. It's game day. Uh, I'm going to the stadium. We're playing um, at Sacramento State. That's our home field. And uh, going to the stadium, <laughs> I'm walking in the locker room, and the coach calls me in. He says, uh, hey, Griff, come here, man. He uh, pulls me in his office. They, uh, unfortunately, we traded you this morning. I've been trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> what? We traded you. Yeah. We traded you to uh, Saskatchewan at, at 10 o'clock this morning. It was like 12, like almost 11, 12 o'clock. The game was at one. Um, we traded you, and um, so unfortunately we had a need at offensive line or something like that. We traded you, and you can't play in the game. And uh, so now, mind you, I'm in Sacramento. I got some friends, family, you know, parents, everybody at the game about ready to watch me play. And I Can't don't play. even get a chance to play. I just, yeah, I got some brand new Newman gloves in my bag. <clears throat> <laughs> Newman's. And, uh, Newman's, dog. I, I mean, come on, man. I'll be fifth in November. We're going back, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm sitting in the stands watching these guys play. And I remember saying to myself and looking at, like, my people going, it ain't going to end like this. I put in too much work. Um, I don't even know what the hell Saskatchewan is. Come to find out they were the worst team in the league at the time. It was, you know, October. It was getting cold. And so I flew home the next day and, uh, Called up to GM in uh, Saskatchewan, got his number, and basically just said, "Hey, I'm, you know, I got another, you know, uh, another semester and some change uh, before I get my degree. You, um, you have my right. I'll come back and play for you next year, but uh, I'm gonna finish my degree. So I went back to San Diego State. This is 1993. Uh-huh. Begged all my, begged all my professors, all of them. This is, you know." Sorry. You know, I got double e so it was all high-end engineering courses, um, senior courses. I begged them all. They let me back in, and um, uh, I got all C's that semester. <laughs> but what I did, uh, Rob, is I got on the track with Ron Sheffield. And when hey. I went back in October, I went back in October. I was already training with him, but when I got back in October, I jumped in with the Olympians. I jumped in with Alice Brown and Floyd Barco and, um, uh, you know, Floyd Griffith-Joyner um, was uh, – she wasn't sprinting, but she was running marathons, and she brought all of her people in there. So I was working out with all – you remember all the Olympians we used to have around when Ron was there? Yep. Um, and so I jumped in with the 800-meter runners and the 400-meter runners um, and um, uh, with Sheffield Elite, which wasn't even really Sheffield Elite then. It was just him training people in his network that were track, you know, uh, some of the world's best. Yeah, just to, so just, to, just, running.
1: To, just to let the people know, Ron Sheffield, if you don't know him, he was the track coach at San Diego State and uh, also Olympic track coach. So go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, world-renowned yeah, sprinting and hurdle coach Ron Sheffield. Um, coach of the year, he was the women's track coach at San Diego State for 20 something years. Uh, I don't know how many coaches of the year he won. You know, even without scholarships and partial scholarships, Ron won a lot of different conferences and get all in his legacy. But so I started working out with Ron and, you know, sprinters, and 400 and 800 meter runners. And so from October, all the way around to say April of 1994 I was working out and fighting with these guys five days a week, sometimes six and working out with the late uh, Coach Houghton. Uh and that was just that ended up being the blueprint for me for my whole career. Anyway 1994 um, <clears throat> I had my number on the grease board at the old gym in San Diego State and I got a call from Come on, Griff. Uh, Gary Downer, and Gary Downer um, had—he was a coach. He'd been at University of New Mexico, so he was in the whack. Um, He had tried to recruit me out of high school, and he had seen me play. And uh, he called me and he says, "Hey, I'd love to. uh, I've seen you. I think you're a good player. I just got the job with the Vikings." I'd love to work you out. And uh um I heard you're around the San Diego area and I'm in town. And I was like, Yeah, just show up at you know, I'm at on the track at one thirty every day and so he shows up the next day and um he works me out and uh I'll let Ron tell you the stories but a lot of guys don't believe me, but I was four four oh, four four one and I ran a four three eight for him that day. Nice. I let him yeah, I was a 4-4-0, two, three guy, pretty much whenever I needed to run back in those days. So I worked out for him. Um, he, say, hey, I, I got the uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, special teams uh, coordinating job, and uh, I'd love to bring you in, uh, you know, to work out for Denny. And, you know, uh, Denny wants to bring in a lot of his pre-agent guys uh, before the draft. To see what he has before before the draft, I'm like, okay, well, great. And that was on a Friday. So even
1: though Saskatchewan had your rights, you were still able to do, uh, you know, do a workout or go. Yeah. To the- so I
0: yeah. just worked out for him, knowing that I had Saskatchewan had my rights. Got it. Right. Okay. And so, so fast forward, um, that was Friday, uh, Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, he calls me back and says, Hey, Denny wants to bring you in in the next week, so be ready. You know, I don't want you to be all tired for the workout, so be ready. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, he calls me back Sunday. So now, mind you, when I went to uh, Sacramento, um, I came back to San Diego for school. I moved back in with my mom, man. Mm-hmm. It was such a humbling experience. Yeah, bro. So, but- here I am. A 20, I'm a 23-year-old guy had his own apartment, never really lived at home once I went to college and I ended up biting a bullet and moving back in with my mom. I went back to my old um, distributorship um, job and I was just going to school, um, working out, working my job and just essentially paying a car note and helping mom out with groceries kind of thing, right? It was really humbling. Yeah. And uh, so... I'm, I'm back at home with mom. I get a call Sunday night. Can you get on the plane in the morning? I'm like, hell yeah. So I get on the plane in the morning, ice my legs down, go to Minnesota, um, eat dinner with, uh, with Gary, wake up the next morning, go to the, the winter park to work out for, uh, Danny and, uh, the staff. So I go in there, I work out at the off season program. Um, you know, there's a million guys in there and we're working out in the bubble. And immediately, uh, Rob, I knew that I was working out with two other guys. Immediately. I knew these guys weren't in the kind of shape that I was in. Man. Yeah. I just knew right away.
1: And I so you. you've been working um, out with Olympic. Yeah, athletes man.
0: <laughs> yeah. You already know how we got down in San Diego state. So yep. anyway, I had a really great workout. Um, uh, uh Gary Gary Downer, I believe I mean he told he told me that I ran a four four. I'm not sure what it was but some kind of four um, four. Had a great workout, and Denny's like you know shower up, come up to my office, and I go up to his office. He's got his jazz on. He's like, hey, we want to offer you um, uh, a rookie contract, hey. um, but we hear you got this. Yeah, we we hear you got this Canadian um, contract, and if you can get out of it, we'd love to sign you. And so now <laughs> you got to remember, Rob, I did not have an agent. So the only person I can call was Bill McCullough, uh-huh. <laughs> right? So I call up Bill, and I hope Bill remembers this. So I call him. I was like, hey, man, you got to get me out of this damn Canadian contract, man. Call up David Morway or whoever, whoever, whoever. And so Bill's like, they want to give you money. He's like, yeah, man, just get on the plane, you know. I'll send you the contract, or you know, bring the contract back with you, man. We'll figure it out. So I get off the plane, and uh, um, Bill's like, uh, "Well, uh, I talked to David, and you know, we can call the general manager of Saskatchewan." So I call this guy up, and somehow, some way, Dave had a relationship with him, uh, the general manager at Saskatchewan. Um, I keep forgetting his name. I should have his name. He's in there. He's very successful up there in Canada. Um, But anyway, he said, look, we have your rights. If you want to come back to Canada, you got to come play for us. But we'd love to um, let you, you know, see what you can do with the Vikings. Mm -hmm. And so they granted me a release. It was a one-pager basically saying, you know, if you come back to Canada, you have to play for us. And then I went to the Vikings, uh, uh, we had the draft and I went to mini camp the next uh the next weekend after that. Now and I wanna cut this short I, I know I'm talking a lot, but I wanted to give you the full flavor of kinda how it all happened. I love it. And uh yeah, so uh, I'll keep going. I it's probably another five five minutes on hey, the story because this I'll take this, it. This happened, man. I'll take this it. This happened, Rob. And it's funny because people think you show up, you're a good player, you make it you know, you're still a good player and you make money and things are all, no, man, a lot of guys got in the league on some relationships, being at the right time, being healthy and all that. Absolutely. So I get to the Vikings. We go to, my, we go to minicamp, mini camp. And the first thing I saw was, um, man, there's a bunch of grown ass men with kids and families and all that in this room. Right. And, uh, so we have a team meeting, we break up into position meetings, and uh <clears throat> we got twenty one guys in the defensive back meeting room. And I'm like, We got twenty one dudes in this room and so uh I tapped Vincy Glenn, who was the starter at the time. I said, Hey Vincy how many how many how many defensive backs you guys keep last year? And Vincy <laughs> says with his deep voice, he says, Hey man, we uh we kept seven last year. Wow. And uh, we actually kept, we actually kept six and we brought a guy in from another team last year. There he is right there. And I'm like, what? He says, he says, he says yeah, man, I, I think there's only like one or two spots here, uh, you know, out of this group from what I see uh, that has a chance to, you know, being around. I was like, why do you just start pointing around? I I started looking around. First rounder, third rounder, second rounder. Mm -hmm. uh, A guy from you know six years in the league. You know Chris Croom, Texas A and M, North Carolina. You know we start going through the list, and they put out the depth chart. I'm sixth string at free safety, and I'm fifth string at strong safety. So I'm the I'm the last guy. Yeah, at the bottom. But the bottom, like. You know, we used to call those guys legs for camp, you know. Yeah. You know, people, you know, you taking reps off, you know, just regular reps off the starters. Well, what saved me, obviously, is Gary Downer, man. God bless him. So he gave me an opportunity to be first team on kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return. So I was the guy amongst three other guys that had an opportunity to make the team on special teams. And so – being in that room just kind of let me know, know how life really, you know, being an old guy, this is how life is. So you either got to be known for something or you're going to get lumped in the group of everybody, right? You Got to, got to stand out. So I knew that being physical was something that I could do and being physical was something that I needed to show, right? right? Yeah. Cause I, I wasn't faster than these guys. I wasn't, you know, I was just as fast, if not just as talented, but you know, how can I stand out? And so on special teams, um, I was able to to, to show out. And so how I made the team is a whole nother ball of wax, man. So I won't get all into the weeds because it's a whole nother movie, but we go to. I'll just start with the preseason, and uh, it was literally the attrition of being in great shape and. Me being healthy allow me to wear down um, the guys that were in front of me and make some plays and basically be one of the strongest vibes. So I'll give you the the blueprint. So we go to the preseason. I don't want to because it's been 25 years. I don't want to miss quotes like when these games were, but I remember us going to Dallas um, playing against you know Dallas, you know Aikman, Emmitt, you know Irvin. Super Bowl championship Dallas team. Yeah, they um, won that year, right? I remember making a. Yeah, I remember making a few tackles on special teams that preseason game and uh, kind of standing out on special teams. No big deal. Not getting any defensive snaps. Uh, and then I remember uh, our next preseason game was in Tokyo, and that's when it all changed. Um, it was when. Uh, you know, we had the World League, and they were trying to make the game global. And we had these preseason games um, in other countries. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget it. It's the reason why I made the team. We go over to Tokyo. We're there for a week. As soon as we get off the plane, Rob, it's uh, 110 degrees. Wow. index through the roof, like 90 percent. And uh, we're playing this game on Saturday. Um, we land on Sunday, we're going to practice during the week, and then we're going to play the game, right? Mm-hmm. So we land on Saturday, we, uh, we had practice Monday. We go out to practice, it's 100-something degrees. You know We're dehydrated, um, the food was bad, uh, they were trying to make American food, guys were losing weight, and it was a, it was a straight up, it was, a, it was a, a mess, man. It was a real mess. We go to practice, number two and number three. So Chris Crooms was ahead of me. And I, I believe Ed Buck, um, some of the names have reached back out to me. Um, Chris Crooms slips on wet grass, brains his wrist. Oh. Um, um, Ed Buck pulls the hamstring. This is the first practice. And guys are dehydrated, right? So i moved from literally sixth string, fifth string, up to um, fourth string, third string. Yep. We get Tuesday off. We come back on on Wednesday, and um, and by the way, we're practicing against um, Kansas City, right? So the Kansas City Chiefs at that time are the Schottenheimer Kansas City Chiefs with um, 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 uh, Marcus Allen at running back, uh, Joe Montana at quarterback, Andre Rives, and yep. um, um, Neil Thomas, you know Dexter, uh, Neil Thomas. I'm um, I mean, excuse me, Derek Thomas, Neil Smith. You know guys like that. Thirteen and three, Kansas City Chiefs. These yeah. guys were really good at the time. Legends. So we go, to, yeah, we go to practice on Wednesday, and Vincey has a little twinge in his hamstring. Gonna play, but not that much. Mm-hmm. So now I'm getting some reps. And uh, me and the, the guys that are fifth and you know sixth string, we're scrapping it out, and uh, our tongues are out. And uh, I know now I'm gonna play in the game just because the numbers. Mm-hmm. So we go all the way, Rob, to the night before the game, right? And so Betsy's gonna play. We got a guy in front of me, and then um, and then our third string, and I'm on all the special teams. And I'm gonna get garbage duty, you know, in the third quarter, fourth quarter kind of time. Yep. Well, Friday night the game Saturday. I, I bullshit you not. This happened. And if you know anything about football, you know there's a lot of inner, a lot of uh, testosterone the night before a game. The guys, a lot of grab ass and guys are uh, are a little antsy, right? So yeah. we're going through our normal walkthrough. A lot of people don't know that most NFL teams have at night before you go you know, go to bed. So we're in our walkthrough. Guys are doing dips. We got on flip-flops and socks and sandals. And uh, the guy in front of me cut his foot the night before the game in uh, the walkthrough. I, saw, I saw
1: that coming as soon as you said flip-flop.
0: Bruh, I don't know how many stitches he had seven or eight or whatever. And and as soon as it happens, Vincey comes over to me and he says, you better get some sleep, man. You're going to play you know, a lot tomorrow. So I go through this big playbook. I don't get any sleep. I'm going through it. I'm making sure I know everything that's going on. Um, and I remember praying and then going to maybe getting an hour or two of sleep and uh, um, not really being able to sleep because I knew that I had an opportunity to really show myself. Yeah. So the night, the, the morning of the game, I remember like it's a birthday. I get up, I go down to breakfast. I grab a, I couldn't even eat, man. I grab a banana. I grab a little box of frosted flakes or something, one of those little cereals. Uh-huh. And I go back to my room and I get on my knees and I pray that I can just stay healthy. Um and uh, and that my spirit is clear and that I can just play to my best ability. And then I got in the shower. And I looked up and I had spent like a half an hour in this daze in the shower. And I remember that's the day when I just signed my name on the dotted line that I was willing to just put it all out there, right? Mm-hmm. And... um. And that's the agreement that I signed with myself. And that's what you guys saw my whole career. Because when I, when I came out the shower, I had a piss over me. And, um, and let me just tell you what happened. So I go to the game. Um, I remember it like a birthday, man. It's crazy. So we go to the game. We're in the Tokyo Dome. There's only 30,000 seats, 35,000 seats in there. It's burning up. There's no air in this place. And uh, we go out first couple plays. I run down on kickoff. Um, I get in on the tackle. Um, I'm on the sideline breathing hard. And uh, I remember it's like a couple plays go by and Vincey's waving to the sideline because it's hamstring or whatever, and he's coming out the game. And... Boom. Boom. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm standing right next to my coach, and I promise you, Rob, he's literally like, oh, shit. Like, he, does, he, he doesn't even notice same He's got all these guys that he's backups, and he grabs my jersey, and he doesn't even know my name. He says, 24, get in there. He doesn't even know my name, I swear, man. I, I mean, obviously, Richard Solomon, he knows me. I played for him. He knows me now. But he didn't know my name, my rookie year. Yeah. Running the game. And mind you, in the huddle is Jack Del Rio, the starting middle linebacker. Wow. Johnny Randall. Yeah. Johnny Randall. Hank Thomas. Um, You know, we're talking like the Hall of Fame cap. You know, these legendary cap. For sure. And, um, so I get 10 headbutts and I'm on, (laughs) I, I feel 10 feet tall, man.
2: Yeah. And,
0: uh, so anyway, I played the rest of the game. I had, I don't know how many tackles. I think some like 11 tackles. Um, but I'm not coming out the game. I'm still on, I'm still the it's gunner the on teams. punt. I'm still running down on kickoff. And so we're on the way back from this, uh, this, uh, game, on this plane, a 14 hour flight. I'm in the back of the plane, cramping up. My whole body's cramping up. And, uh, Vince comes back and he says, you know you made the team today. And, uh, and I was like, what were you talking about? He says, well, everybody up there, he's talking about the coaches, are talking about, you know, number 24 and how they can get a 24 in their group. And, um, and so luckily for me, um, that one day gave me an opportunity to get some more time. And so Vincey was a little hurt. So I ended up starting a couple of games. So we go down to Miami, start against you know Dan Marino, picked off Dan Marino in the first quarter, Bang. and uh, played That's well. Dope. Yeah. Then we yeah then we went to then we went to New Orleans. I played against Craig Ironhead Hayward, rest in peace. Made him fumble in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Played against Bobby bear and a, a bunch of those guys. And so when it when all the dust settled. I ended up backing up Vinci, ended up cutting a lot of guys and a lot of injury settlements to a lot of guys that were my peers. And I ended up making the team because of, <clears throat> one, I was in great shape. Two, I believe I had anointed and covering. But three, um, um, because I was in that kind of shape, I was able to actually show who I really was, which was, all of those skills that I thought were under, just underserved that I learned in college, that damn dime back position, <laughs> you know, yeah. I had to, I had to play all those different spots. I had to go cover these slot receivers. I had to learn how to fit the run. And so when it went, when it was time for me to play ball, it was nothing for me to learn what a counter step was and how to fit. I had already done it. Yeah. And so, I immediately was in all the third-down packages. I started – I played, like, 40% of the plays. Um, I broke the Vikings special team tackle record that year. My second year, I came back again. I thought I had a chance to start. Um, They didn't think I was ready, so I broke my special team tackle record again for the Vikings my second year um, and started two games – um, and then my third year, Denny gave me an opportunity to win the job, and <clears throat> um, I started my third year and was a 11-year starter and made the Pro Bowl and was all pro for, you know, five of those years, you know. Amen. And uh, so, when, yeah, so when you guys, when people think about the NFL and my career, um, you know, it, it, I, I just didn't want it to be gimmicky. So I never had a dance. I never had a signature move. And um, it was all about respect and um, and just um, giving respect to the fact of how I knew I made it and why I believe I truly was there. And Absolutely. So it doesn't bother... Yeah, it is. So it doesn't... Really, people go, oh, Griff, man, you don't know, get never get no love. and uh, But, but just ask anybody about me, man. You know, I always tell people, it's like, man, turn on the film and then just go ask any Hall of Fame guy, you know, talk to Marshall, talk to Herman Moore, talk to Ryzen, talk to Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Terrell Davis, Edwin James, Jerome Bettis, Marcus Allen. Eric. You know, I didn't play against Eric Dickerson, but go talk to all those receivers, Heinz Ward. You know, I go through all these lists and I go, these are all my peers and I can walk in any one of those rooms with my shoulders back, knowing what they're going to say about me. And to me, that's an anointing. And that's the reason why I tell that story because a lot of people don't understand that I'm living in it, man. And it's just good to be able to get it all out to you like this on this kind of platform because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you don't you don't need to beat your chest. You don't need to have a dance. You don't need to, um, you know, we're in the social media area where now if you didn't, if you weren't popular, you weren't good. No, I was, I like, I like I what I was able to accomplish, but I like how I was able to accomplish it and who it was for.
1: Yep, and one thing one thing people can learn from your, your journey and your story is, um, you know, just that whole story about how you even made the team. Uh, I'm a firm believer in um, luck is when preparation meets opportunity and that shows you were prepared and ready for that opportunity and you took full advantage of that. Yeah, and that's the thing.
0: It's, uh, you know, people... I hear a lot of people always say, you, gotta, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah. It's the truth, man. It's the truth. In all aspects now, if I of been life. In all aspects. If I would have been with Ron, with, with Dave Oden from October to April, one, I wouldn't have been no 4-4 guy. Yep. Two, I wouldn't have been in, in that kind of shape to have that whole process start. And then three, when it was time to show and prove in Tokyo, I would have tore a hamstring. I would have gotten hurt like all those other guys if I wouldn't have been so bulletproof. It was the fact that I was so bulletproof at that time that carried me through and allowed me to just jump through that little window and then once you jump in, you're in. You know how it works. Once you're in house on a team and you can show what you can do with a jersey on, man. It's everything can you give just one I know you got to
1: go but one, one piece of advice for, for future aspects that may be in your position one
0: is this you got a window if you're going to be playing pro to really um, execute your dream All right. if it's a dream then you won't be complaining about working out you won't be complaining about what it takes to actually get there but just make it happen You'll find a way to train. You'll find a way uh, to, to carve out time to take care of yourself and to live that dream. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, if you're 26 and 27, you've been out of football for three years or two years, then, you know, you've got to think about it differently. But you're coming out. You've got a nice little window. Don't let um, hard work be the problem, right? Don't let um, – not being in shape uh be your downfall i think all that should be factory equipment and uh and only you know you know what's beating in between them you know and that chest man and i just uh i encourage guys to uh to really especially when they're young and they have an opportunity to make some mistakes to go for it and uh um, you know, Rob, you have your own story, right? You, you got a chance to put them cleats on and, yep. and touch the NFL locker room and, you know, get some catches. You know, you, JR, uh, Kasim, you know, all you guys kind of came through around the same time. And you guys all got a chance to touch it because you guys were all in shape. You guys were all ready for the task. And I think that uh, if anything from San Diego State, we got enough examples on what to do and what not to do
1: exactly so, and that's what that's what uh, this is all about you know, that's covering all of that and, yeah man. and sharing that so appreciate you love you man stay blessed stay positive and uh keep doing what you're doing because uh, we're watching and we're
0: inspired love you man Help Yo, Pops and everybody said hi and your family uh stay healthy and safe out there man and uh in these 19 streets man we gotta we gotta keep fighting man keep fighting a good fight absolutely I think if everybody is uh is truly, truly, truly being honest about where we are and how we can get better. Um, I think it'll happen really fast here. I agree. So, love
1: you, man. Love you too, man. Talk to him, brother. Yep, thank okay. you. Peace. Again, that was Robert Griffith, uh, former Aztec defensive back, played in the NFL for 13 seasons. And uh, as you can see, his journey and his his road to success – uh, was not an easy one, and we all can learn from what he went through and how he dealt with it. You know, there's times where we um, expect to be maybe in a better situation, and it doesn't play out that way. But you can't lose sight of the the ultimate prize and the in the ultimate goal. And uh, in his journey, in his story. He had to take a few detours before he got to his end goal or his end uh, passion, which was playing in the NFL. And luckily, he had the discipline and um, the consistency and the ability to uh, stay number one positive, and then number two, stay in shape and get better. You know, not just not just stay in shape, but get better. Uh, Like he said, he he improved his 40 time. um, So that means he got faster, um, potentially more explosion. uh, And then, you know, that allowed for him to uh, be ready for when he got that call. And, you know, he was able to to show out when the opportunity, even after he got the call and after he was already part of the organization, um, when he was low on the depth chart he was able to, you know, cease the moment. So whether it be in athletics, um, entertainment, business, school, whatever it is that you are into, um, you know, it's just not everything's going to go right or not the way you planned it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't, that it's not going to happen. It just means you have to take another route. And maybe that other route is what's going to teach you the skills uh, or prepare you for whatever moment that is uh, where you take it to the next level. So, again, as I remind you every week, your legacy is not necessarily just the awards, the accolades or, you know, the amazing stats you accumulate in in sports. Um, It's the journey. And the lives you've touched in the process. This is the Aztec Legacy Podcast. Your host, Robert Ortiz. Have a blessed day and always respect the journey. Aztecs for Life. Legacy,
0: legacy, 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 legacy.